now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, listeners, and welcome back to Session 8. Right? We're on Session 8, or are we? No, we're Session 9 of the Black Firehouse Podcast. As always, your hosts, we have Mr. Austin Young. Austin, how are you? I am here. You are here. That is always a good sign. And of course, my name is Dan Harshman. All right, so you're here, Austin. Just here? Just here. <laughs> it's been a day. Oh, no. What, what's What's going on? Not a bad day, just a busy day, and just like you know, rushing around, no time to do anything. No I time feel to relax. Like, this is this yeah. is my time to relax right now. Is sitting here talking props with you. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that you're getting some relaxation in today. Yeah, you know, um, my aim today was relaxation, but it ended up being kind of a busier day than than I anticipated. Um. A little bit of a mail call today, uh, GBHQ Props on Etsy, uh, got a delivery of some Ghost Trap pedal parts from them, so I'm I'm hoping one day to, to start on some Ghost Trap pedals. Um, you you and me both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, uh, I, I reached out to, you know, I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I, I don't have a full workshop, so there's unfortunately a number of things that i just i don't have the capability of doing on my own um you know the a lot of saw work mostly so i'm, I'm hoping mikhail uh will be able to, to hook me up and i'm going to commission a few um pedal bases off of him namely for uh just two you know ghostbusters one ghostbusters two and uh that way i'll have all the parts in and then i can start slapping those together because they're really not complex no not really i mean i've i've been wanting to do a gb1 hero pedal for oh god it's probably been a year or so now and mm-hmm. every once in a while i'll bug matt burkett about like hey what was the link for that thing again right. he'll send it to me and then i'll look it up and then i forget where i saved the link and <laughs> and then i never buy the part anyway and it's just stupid but one day i'm gonna buy the parts one day, one day, and I have a, a, a large order that I placed in, of course, with uh, our friends over at GhostbustersFans.com. Um, AJ has most of the parts that would be needed in stock, so I went ahead and, and did another order from him. And finally, bless his heart, AJ is is catching up on his orders. I know a lot of people were, for lack of a better word, kind of upset at the shipping times. Um, and I always feel bad because AJ's a one man operation. I mean, you know, he has yeah. a full time job, um, and and I think he has some side businesses as well. He's he's very entrepreneurial and um, entrepreneurial. Oh, man, he's got all kinds of side hustles. He does. He has all kinds of hustles going on, and then at the same time, he also has GB fans, and it's just him in this little warehouse and uh, getting things out. And then, of course, you know the hype of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, being at the at the same time as Halloween, I mm-hmm. mean, he was he was just backed up for forever. Um, you know, I I had a 
set of parts that I ordered from him, I think, um, October or November, and I got them um, at the beginning of February, you know, or end of January, so somewhere in there, um, you know, not his normal shipping turnaround time, but that's just how absolutely slammed he was um and i'm i'm happy now though it looks like my order is is poised to ship out at the end of the month so that's a good sign means that aj's catching up so i'm i'm happy to hear that he'll be caught up just in time for the halloween rush of uh this year (laughs) yeah (laughs) um or they'll they'll announce the sequel like on halloween Oh, so yeah. everybody be like, oh, I got to get my gear ready for the next movie. And, exactly. And, exactly. And the whole cycle will begin anew. And then you have people like us. It's like, if I put a time limit on it, um, it's it's just I'm going to break those time limits. Like I, I stopped trying to put time limits for my builds um, a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing because what in, what inevitably ends up happening for me when I try to put a time limit on something is I at the last minute start to rush things and just kind of throw things together and mm-hmm. be like, Oh, it's good enough. I'll go back later and fix it. And then I never fix it. I never exactly. go back and do it like it should be. Exactly. And, uh, I've, I've never thrown something together at last minute and then been like, all right, I'm going to tear this down and, and fix it and repair it and all that. Um, so I end up with just these things that glare at me like uh, mm-hmm. SMC elbows on a proton pack that still have like the orange, you know, <laughs> push fittings on them because i never painted them <laughs> um stuff like that it's it's a little frustrating but uh i just found of... out you could remove those like really easily those little plunger things really yeah and i'm really mad because when i did my first afterlife pack a they left them on the afterlife elbows mm-hmm. um so i shouldn't have tried to remove them anyway but b i tried my damnedest to get those things to pop out and i couldn't and so i ended up taking a hacksaw blade and just like oh sh- you know, shoving it down in there and trying to hacksaw it off, but because it it moves up and down, it was I mean, it was a nightmare. It, yeah, they twist and everything. Yeah, and so when I found out that they were still on there, I got so mad. And then I don't remember it was some post on one of the one of the groups, one of the thousand groups I'm in, and somebody had posted where they had just like there was some little trick that they did where they just popped right out, and I was just like, son of a bitch. Uh, really anyway so yeah tangent. And, and i'm also confused as to why you didn't find any other solution to uh i don't know not have that piece spin well i tried kind of like gripping it with some like needle nose in one hand and then like kind of a dremel <laughs> like in the other no no well no i had i had like put it in the vice Okay. Right? And so I'm like, it's clamped in the vise, and then I have a hold of the little plunger piece right, with the needle nose and trying to saw, but it just didn't work. It Like, it kept slipping out, and finally, I was just, I just went at it like a madman until the thing came <laughs> off. <laughs> I, I mean, uh... and if you look at them, they are jagged and just, like, horrible looking, but I was like, ah, I'm, I'll cover it with some weathering. It's fine. And, like, two of them. Get covered with tape anyway, so whatever. Yeah, no, I have a few parts. I try to hide the stuff that ends up jagged like that, though. Like, uh, I know I took a hacksaw to one of my L brackets on the inside of the pack to get it to fit with the uh, with everything, and it just 
Oh, I, I think I spent like 30 <laughs> or 40 minutes hacksawing aluminum just to get it to be yeah. thin enough that it was I mean, pliable. It was an absolute nightmare. You know, that's in the spirit of the originals, though, right? Because, I mean, aren't there... Isn't there pictures of, like, the insides of one where they, they've clearly, like, drilled it out and moved it or, like, hacked it hacked it in half? Well, they've you know, definitely... To make clearance for a bolt or And they definitely moved the uh, the superhero one. And uh, and that's yeah. <laughs> that's pretty noticeable <laughs> when you when you're looking at it on the inside. Um, it's yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about them. They're they're all pretty hack job, you know, kind of packs. Um, that's kind of the free pass that I give myself when I when I do right? kind of just screw something up. I'm like, ah, it's in the spirit of the original. They, the originals look like shit. Mine can look like shit. Well, too. <laughs> you know, I was looking at. um uh, some of my ghost traps that are still mid progress right now. And like, there's just parts of the paint where it's just not great. And uh, yeah. I'm just like, man, ah, it's in the spirit of the originals. <laughs> you just get over there, get you a paper plate and just spray some of that spray paint on the paper plate, get you a brush, just, like, just yeah. touch it up. Just like the originals. Um, so we, uh, it's interesting that we started off with trap pedals because I'm about to to talk about uh, some more trap news, which is also convenient, seeing as we are actually talking about ghost traps today. Um, yes. A few episodes ago, I had mentioned that somebody was doing a run of aluminum traps, um, and that particular run had gotten canceled. Um, but a buddy of mine actually alerted me to a site called uh, Heimdall's Armory, um, who are mm -hmm. also, yeah, heard of them. also doing aluminum ghost trap runs. And uh, I took a look at them, and they actually look better. Uh, not only do they have more aluminum parts to them, there's, there's no wood substitutes in there. It also seems to have mm -hmm. an accurate track and release system. Um, so I Ooh. signed up for that today. Which I'm very excited about. I think that's going to be a definite worthwhile project. Um, is your uh, is your wife anywhere near? Oh uh, no, she's upstairs. Okay, how much did this cost? Seven hundred and fifty. Nice. Uh, but listen, I also booked us a vacation for this weekend as well. Where are we going? Uh, you are staying in Oklahoma. I'm sorry. Oh, so you're coming here, and we're just going to go. Yeah. See the sights around yeah. Oklahoma? Okay, yeah. cool. That's exactly... Nice. No, I'm taking her uh, for our, our wedding anniversary up to the Luray Caverns. You know, got us a little a little cabin and, you know, it'll be romantic and hiking and all that fun stuff. So she's excited about it, but that's how I get away with this stuff. If, you know, oh, hey, I'm spending $2,000 on a prop here. Let me spend $500 but... on a little vacation. And then not mention the prices. So she thinks the value is the perceived value. <laughs> well, let's be fair. Moments and, and, and memories with her are priceless, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So there you go. And I get some yeah. great. Nothing nothing compared to a prop. Nothing. Nothing at all. And I get some great sleep on the couch, you know, when she finds out about the props. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's she's super supportive. I definitely lucked in with a, a fan, fantastic wife who who loves my prop building. Um, well, listen, let's go. Let's go into our new segment here. I already have somebody that I want to talk about pulled up. Um, have you. Have you had any builds that have uh, sparked your interest? 
Um, there's one in particular I'm going to mention. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. Do you remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped no. me. Egan, I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you. You've, you've earned it. And, of course, we're back. And this segment, guys, is called You've Earned It, which is essentially Austin and I going out into those uh, work-in-progress threads or completed threads, people showing off their Ghostbusters props um, from all over the internet to see what precisely is uh, sparking our interest and what is exciting to us. Um, and, uh, Austin, I, I want you to go ahead. Let's start off with you. Who are you? Whose prop build are you excited about? I'm probably going to butcher this last name because it's just what I do. Um, okay. It's it's from the RTV Ghost Trap Builders Group. Mm-hmm. It's I'm going to say Thomas Limo Limio. He's he's done a an RTV build obviously, but mm-hmm. I've kind of been following his progress for the last I don't know month or so. Um, whenever the posts just kind of show up in my feed. Sure. And he's just done a phenomenal job of putting this thing together and like extreme attention to detail and accuracy. And it's just, it's just a beautiful prop. Um, from what I can tell, he hasn't weathered it yet. I don't know if he's going to weather it, mm-hmm. but regardless of that, I mean, it's just, it's incredibly well constructed and well crafted. Um, it, from what I can tell, it's just incredibly accurate too. I mean, you know, I'm down loving. To, I'm loving the amount of research that these RTV builders are putting in because um, I I personally am seeing a lot of the RTV builds as uh, uh, potentially intimidating, you know, like kind of yeah. almost a PKE meter, PKE meter level intimidating mm-hmm. um, just because of all the electronics. And you know me, I'm not I'm a I'm a, you know, drop in kit kind of guy. I'm not a program thing you know, yeah, I mean, kind of too. person. Um, so yeah, anything that somebody can do that's screen accurate for that RTV. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up so I can, so I can look at it. I mean, but you, you said some more of the highlights. You even got down to the, well, even like, uh, I mean, from what I can tell, just the, the materials and the process in which he put it together seems pretty accurate like you know the parts that are supposed to be 3d printed are 3d printed the parts that are metal are metal you know oh, um, cool. and the thing that is and really impressed me and i don't know if he's the first but he's the first person that i've seen do it mm-hmm. he has actually got the futaba remote and it is linked to like he's put uh it's the actual transmitter for the rtv so that's just nice. awesome to be. I love it. Like that's ultimately my goal. Whenever same <laughs> I get around to doing one of these is hiring somebody to do that for me so that well, I can drive I, drive mine around with an accurate, you know, remote. And I think my buddy uh Phil is actually working on getting his he might actually already be there cuz he's a lot smarter than I am. Um but yeah, a lot of these guys are getting their Futaba controllers to talk to the to the you know the um traxa stampede and getting it to operate off that and i'm like that's a dream like that's just that's how i would want mine to operate and like i don't even i don't even really need my the doors to open i don't need it to like buck back and forth i just need it to be able to drive around and and that would make me happy 
Um, mm-hmm. But the level some of these people are going into, I mean, like they're they're better than the movie prop. Oh yeah, I mean, and if you've watched uh, the the series that Ben Eadie's been doing about the the reconstruction of the screen used in that he he managed to get run over, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he kind of talks about how like they're just sort of thrown together and they're, yeah. you know, in his rebuild process, he's improving upon things that, you know, they just didn't have time to figure out, you know, when well, they even, originally, even in our interview with, with Jordan a few weeks ago, I got that feeling. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it's that, like that on every production, right? Like if, of course. if only you had more time. Yeah. Of course these things would be built a thousand times better, but you know, you, you've got a deadline to meet and you got to do what yeah. you got to do. So uh, the the build that has sparked my interest um, is from Spangler's 1984 workbench, and it's Mr. Chad Schweitzer's build. Um, mm-hmm. He is doing a, um, I believe it is a hero, well, I know it's a hero pack, um, and I, I'm not sure if it's a Venkman Spangler stance, but I know it's not a superhero unless he's doing it uh, like a Ghostbusters 2 style. Besides all that, um, he is taking his royal ass time on it. And you know I love builds where people just take that extra year <laughs> yeah. to build it. But his build isn't a, hey, I'm going to make it look amazing on the outside. It's also, I'm going to make it look amazing on the inside um and it's one of the few times i've ever seen this i i believe i've seen one um from uh cole funseth and matt burkett in which they're replicating the interior of the proton pack as well as the exterior and chad yeah replicating the interior in my opinion just from observing is far more difficult than replicating the exterior oh 100 i i have absolutely no interest in trying to approach that that behemoth of a mountain to replicate the interior of a proton pack um and and you know like i said i think cole's done one i know matt has done one at least on a semi-hero pack um and i i believe he started doing it for his stance pack as well but chad has been doing it for his pack and it's gorgeous i mean it's absolutely gorgeous I, he's he's got the marking lines down He's got mm-hmm. the 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 blue spray down, um, you know that the prop builders used to cut the aluminum to mark the aluminum, but the transitions yeah. are there, the 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 depth is there, and then all the vintage electrical components. And he's gone about it in such a way that if he could get it to work to operate the pack, he has it working to operate the pack, and then other parts are there, of course, just for that look. But I mean, he's he's essentially building a pack that is going to look as good on the inside as it is on the outside. Um, and then most recently, he also posted some photos. He's been, you know, custom milling out and, and custom machining his pop mechanism, uh, I believe, based off of the drawings that that Julian released on how the screen use pop mech worked. Now, he decided he didn't want a big floppy spring, and I, I can't blame him. Um, yeah, that, so, that's one of those the sacrifices for accuracy that you yeah. know you want you want consistent functionality. One hundred percent. It's it's one of the reasons why I'm more interested in 
uh, Freaky Geeky's pop mechanism than I would be a standard screen accurate pop mechanism just because the real ones got hung up on things and mm-hmm. broke and stopped working. Um, but he's revised it so that it is a, a straight line operating pop mechanism to to take away all those issues that you would have. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful proton pack. So um, to, to Chad and uh, the one that you were seeing, his name again, Thomas, Thomas, uh, you guys earned it. Keep up the great work. Keep building super awesome props. And, you know, remember guys, you know, you don't have to be on the 1984 workbench or on the RTV build uh, forum for us to be taking a look out out there and see what kind of builds are exciting. Um, but this is just a, a simple way to kind of give some recognition back to the community and say, hey, you guys are doing awesome. Keep building. Uh, we're seeing it. We're loving it. And uh, and just keep doing it. Um, outside of that, you ready to talk about what's on our workbench? I am. All right. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess that's right. Austin. Yeah. I'm going first because I'm so excited. Do it. Dude, uh, okay, so nothing really new on the workbench. This is considered, a, you know, an eBay acquisition. Um, this oh, I know morning, what this is. Yeah, you know exactly what it is. I'm so stoked. I've been looking for one for like a year, two years, something like that. It's been a daily eBay search. Finally picked it up. A screen accurate Lamont conductivity meter to be converted into the Gaspers meter um, from the Fort metering scene from Ghostbusters and also in the background uh, of several scenes as well in Ghostbusters. Scored one off of eBay today. Ask me how much I got it for. $750. 10 bucks. Nice. Oh, bucks. I hate you right now. I know. I know. That's awesome. I know. I'm very, very excited. Um, it, it looks like it might be a slightly different model just based on the inputs and outputs on the top of it. Yeah. Um, but seeing as I'm going to have to drill in for a LED and completely sand away the conductivity meter lettering anyhow, um, I figure I'll be kind of repainting that part of, of the meter anyhow to complete its transformation into a Gaspers meter. Uh, but yeah, I, I have had a constant eBay search for that particular piece for a long time now. And, uh, I just, I searched my, my eBay pulls today and boom, there it was 10 bucks buy it now. And it had a best offer, but you know, when you get into this hobby, there's certain things that it's just like, I don't care. Uh, it's 10 bucks. It's yeah. 10 I bucks. mean, you know. <laughs> I would ne- like for 10 bucks, I would never risk like, you know, low balling no. them and then having somebody else come in and buy it behind you, you know? Oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah. now an- answer me a question really quick. Mm-hmm. Is the one in the movie modified or is is that a completely different meter that is just impossible to find? And this is the closest alternative. Uh, no, um, the, the one in the movie has to be modified. Okay. Um, so there, I, I've been spending a lot of time looking around at other Lamont conductivity meters. And I do have a semi-accurate black model Mm -hmm. as well that I picked up, you know, probably about a year and a half ago. 
Um, and it doesn't have that. It's other than that, they're they're identical. But I have never seen a model that has a red indicator light on it, and there's no reason for it to have a red indicator light. You know, yeah. it's 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 just a it's a soil conductivity meter. So you you basically take the probe, you stick it into whatever substance or material that you're doing a conductivity test on, and you adjust it, and it tells you the I think the amperage that is passing through. Um, okay. so I'm not sure if the auxiliary hookup is on later models to record that data. I, yeah. I have a feeling that earlier models, you know, you just, you read it off and, and probably penciled it into a notebook, whereas mm-hmm. later models, they probably had some kind of adapter for it to actually record that data. And that's what mine looks to, to have. But again, very simple modification and everything else is spot on. It's got the the correct uh, black face um, meter panel. It's got you know the correct knobs. All the the typefaces correct. Everything is where it should be. Uh, so just a slight little modification to that top portion, and it will be good to go. And I'm very jazzed about it, especially at that price point. Can't oh, beat yeah. that. Well, okay. So do we think that it was modified for the movie, or do we think it was something that was modified? And was in a prop rental house, and they just grabbed it because it looked cool. Uh, you know that's an interesting question, and I'm gonna have to go on modified for the movie. Well, doesn't doesn't the meter like doesn't the light blink and stuff in the deleted scene? It does. Um, okay, it, well, so, it, it, yeah, that's the there's your reason for it right there. Well, it doesn't even. It's not that it just blinks. It actually pulses with yeah. the with the actual uh, readout antenna. You know, the little armature. Mm-hmm. Um, so as that kind of bumps up, the light kind of pulses with it. So it's it's not even okay. a consi- uh, consistent blink. Um, which man, <laughs> uh, I got to find somebody. To, to help me with the electronics on that. I'm like, hey, how do I make a, a 30-year-old electronic? I, I just want to twist a button and make the arm bob in a LED kind of half-ass work. How do I do that? <laughs> you send you know? it to somebody and they do it and you pay them money. Yeah, I send <laughs> it to somebody smarter than me and then I never get my meter back. <laughs> well, no, it's got to be somebody you trust. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, that was I was very excited about that. That definitely made my day. Okay, um, that's that's awesome. Like I'm I'm I know in ten years when you finally get it modified, it's going to be even cooler. No, this is one of the yeah. You're right. Ten years. That's that's about right. Max or minimum, <laughs> right? Well, even you know I watched one of Alex Newborn's videos on it, and he brought up a good point: is even unmodified, it's still a cool looking thing. Yeah, I mean, it totally looks the part. You know, I mean, yeah. It, you know, it's like all the other numerous little hand props from Ghostbusters, like the the gamma rate meter and um, the the sniffer and everything like that mm-hmm. is unmodified. They're still really, really cool. They're still very Ghostbusters ish. And nobody else, um, but like you know, us. you, me, Alex, and like three other people are going to know anyway. Oh gosh, I you know I'm I'm almost wondering like how many listeners out of our i think 23 listeners are going like what the hell is a gaspers meter yeah you know (laughs) what the hell is the conductivity meter what are they going on about and Um, we have just increased the price of any future ones that pop up that's what we do they're gonna go from ten dollars to fifteen dollars hey man i'll i'll have you know that i am solely responsible 
for the increase in price and subsequent sellout of OmahaSurplus.com's LC1 Alice frames and straps. Do tell. Um, <laughs> so back in the day, LC1 frames, a little hard to get a hold of, uh, found OmahaSurplus.com through a Google search, um, found that they were selling LC1 frames with the vintage straps, quick release buckle, every, everything you needed. And, uh, they were like 30 or 60 bucks. And, uh, I, I bought one. I should have bought like five, but I bought one and then posted the link onto GBFans.com and very quickly got a nasty private message from someone i don't remember who basically saying i've been keeping that link a secret for years and i don't know why you told everybody and now watch them sell out (laughs) and sure enough the (laughs) price jumped to a hundred bucks by the next week and i i believe now they're completely sold out of them um so yeah you know I am no stranger to jacking up the the cost and and scarceness of Ghostbusters props. You know, I mean, first of all, for somebody to be like, hey, man, that was my link. How dare you? Well, you know, you found it fair and square, dude. <laughs> like, how freaking childish can you be? Like, you know, and I... and God forbid you do something for the community, you know, try to hey, man, try to help people. It's. It's whatever. And and so to 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 completely uh to to capstone, I should say, my story, I just got notification, the shipping notice for my Lamont meter. So it should be here on Monday. So I'll come back from my trip with my wife and the next day, brand new Lamont meter to take up space. Hope it didn't get lost in the mail or intercepted by me. I won't because you're you're not in Virginia, or am I? <laughs> well, come and visit, damn it! Don't come out here and not say hi. I'm gonna come visit and be like, look at my new meter. <laughs> I, I I had a few people you that were home. asking. I had to sign to for see it. the eBay auction, and I was I, I and I was admittedly terrified that if I sent the the closed out eBay auction to anyone, they were gonna be like, hey. I contacted the buyer and I said, I'll give them like $200 for it. So he's canceled my transaction. So now that I have confirmation that it's shipped, maybe now I'll share the eBay auction. (laughs) I, uh, I've had that, that fear before where like I, I've bought something and I tell some people about it. Like as I'm just excited, like, Oh my God, look what I got. Look what I got. But I don't want to make a public post about it because I'm like, Oh, somebody's going to go straight to eBay and look this up. And they're going to like email the seller and be like, Hey, I know you sold it for this much, but I'll pay you twice that. So I I've been really good about like, you know, I'll tell people I trust privately, but like I will not make a public post until it's in my hands. Yeah. That's probably a good idea. I should do that in the future. If I get any other good scores, you can tell me and then I will email the seller. Oh, thank you. And, And make sure that they ship it to you in a timely manner. (laughs) <laughs> so austin yes old friend what is on your workbench um it's not any different from the last few weeks so okay i do have one thing i did What's, today what are you getting held up on with the phoebe pack like i mean what are you waiting on nothing it's just the process of building a proton pack that's not entirely true i'm, I'm having some of the metal parts welded 
And okay. I picked out the uh, the material for the in filter last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, last week. And you know, like a normal person would just have like a bunch of discs cut out in the in the right size they need to cap off all the metal parts and have them welded. Right. But I'm, you know, I I don't feel like I'm in I have that kind of time, so I went and bought a bunch of metal cutting hole saws and cut out a bunch of <laughs> discs from aluminum with a drill press and all this stuff, right? Right. But the problem is that the in-filter material that I had, I didn't want to have to, you know, they had to special order, like, the exact right outside diameter and all this shit. And I'm sure. like, I, I don't want to wait that long. So they had something that was really close. I was like, I can chuck this up in the lathe. I can turn it down. It'll be fine. I did that. It wasn't quite, like, I, I tried and tried and tried and tried to get it square, and it, it still had wobble in it, and I didn't really have a way to uh-huh. stabilize it on the other end, on the open end. So I thought, okay, fuck it. I'm just going to cut the disc out. I'm going to have the disc welded to the top. I'll come back, and because I've got a center hole from the from the hole saw already there, mm-hmm. I'll use that to stabilize it in the lathe, and then I'll just turn it down, you know? And the, the Afterlife in-filter has the weld ground off anyway. Right. So I start turning it down. It's going good. I turn the weld down, and then I get to a point where the, I'm getting this weird low spot towards the end with the cap on it and i can't figure out why and i keep going by and just taking off like little bits of material here and there and i keep getting this weird low spot finally i realize i turned it down so much that i completely got rid of the weld entirely and the the <laughs> cap was no longer attached to the tube anymore <laughs> oh, it was literally just being all you know pressed together and somehow not flying out of the lathe. Thank God I wore two millimeters of plastic eye protection. Austin, this is for a an N filter. Yes. It yeah. It's three parts of aluminum. It's fine. Yeah. It's a pipe, a cap, and a half moon. Yeah, I know, but. You know, it is what it is, right? So I got it turned down. I t- and so then I'm like, you know what? The cap doesn't need to be the same outside diameter as the tube. I'm going to turn it down even further so that when I have it re-welded tomorrow, it has some more material to Good grab Lord. onto. So I'm having it re-welded tomorrow, and then I, I get to start the joyous process of cutting it to fit the shell, which I'm absolutely dreading. But... It'll go like you haven't, you haven't even cut you haven't even cut the actual pipe to the shell. Oh yet. no, because there's no. I wouldn't even attempt to try and turn it down if I'd already cut it to fit the shell. My God, man! But, but look, I'm dedicated <laughs> to my craft, right? Like I'm doing the best I can with with what I've got, and you know, I probably could have just ordered one from somebody else, but you know, I wanted to make it. I wanted to do it myself. I mean, no, no, I love that you want to make it. I just feel like it's it's three pieces of aluminum order the pipe in the right outer diameter but then i would have had to have wait and 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 now i've wasted it i've not really wasted today because i still got it turned down but i just you know i i popped the cap off by accident it's fine i'll get it rewelded tomorrow it'll be fine i've done my waiting 12 years of it in azkaban (laughs) 
<laughs> That's right. I'm going to sneak some Harry Potter jokes in. You're a wizard, Gary. <laughs> oh, God, Lord. Uh, well, I mean, all of our listeners are familiar with that. The, that that impatience, that wanting to to move forward on things. And that is one of the frustrating things about the the what's on our workbench segment is like very often these projects are going to be the same thing. But, you know, I think it's important that our listeners hear the holdups that we're having, the things that we're excited about and the same issues because they're they're having the same problems that we're having. Yeah. You know, whether it be just, you know, very long wait times, um, you know, a, a vendor, uh, uh, you know, being delayed, anything like that. It's, you know, wrong, wrong sizes on things like that. It, it, it happens to all of us. But, you know, that's that's what we're here for. We're your emotional support podcast for frustrated prop builders. I like that. I do now. I do have you one like that? thing that I did today. That's it's technically a Ghostbusters prop. It's not a Phoebe pack, but it is a Phoebe prop. Okay. Over the weekend, I found the flashlight that she's got when they go down into the temple, and she's like shining, using it to shine on the dates on the wall. But, yes. Yeah, it's like, but it's a it's a yellow flashlight, and they spray painted it like hunter green. So I found the flashlight. I was like, oh, that's that flashlight. Bought it. Went to Walmart. Oh, awesome. Bought a can of Hunter Green paint, and the right shade was only available in Rust-Oleum, so I spray-painted it earlier today and then had to wait like six hours before I could even touch the damn thing, and it was still slightly tacky. <laughs> but I was like, it's fine. It's going to be weathered. You know, it, it'll add to the weathering. So there's a couple fingerprints in it, whatever. But I got it all weathered up. I got some of the scratches and stuff in it because, you know, the one of the movies scratched up, revealing the yellow underneath. You know. It's a dumb well, it's great. a dumb little prop, but it was like I saw it and I couldn't just leave it there, knowing it's a Ghostbusters so, prop. Have you managed to get the thumb drive prop yet? Yes. Oh, I've had that for you did. two weeks. Oh, you already got that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, whoa, whoa. Excuse me. I did like a cursory glance and when I couldn't find it, I was just like, It's my little pony's not that important. I I posted about it on the workbench, but an admin did not approve my post. And I don't know if they have something against My Little Pony or if they thought I was making a joke <laughs> or what. Wonder. But I was like, oh, well, OK, it's a Ghostbusters prop, but screw you guys. Uh, now I'm going to I'm going to have to go back and look at the logs and see what happened there. <laughs> I wonder if it was if it was me. It might have not realizing what it, it was. It might have been you and just been like, fuck this, you know. <laughs> if i don't have it nobody gets to know about it <laughs> i was so proud of it because it took me so long to find well it's yeah it's it's kind of uh one of those weird little niche things i mean what they they came out in like 2014 2013 is the copyright date on it which i think is funny because podcasts yeah. would have been like two or three <laughs> at the most yeah when it came out and it's such a dumb little prop but i mean i laughed out loud when i saw it in the in the movie for the first time I just thought that was hilarious. It'll only, it's only good if you take the copies of the podcast that I send you and put it on there. Oh, dude, it's already done. It is It is where I nice. store our podcast. <laughs> well, hopefully we really get our voice in episode 36. 46. 46. Well, excuse me. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, so that's that's what's on our workbench. Let's Let's get into our main topic. We are talking about ghost traps today so uh i think without further ado we will get into it listen 
You smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? Oh, welcome back to the Black Firehouse podcast, guys. As always, this is Dan Harshman with his co-host Austin Young. A uh, little behind-the-scenes thing. Um, you guys don't experience it. We experience it when we're recording it. Is I have our sounds, the sounds that you guys hear when you're listening to the podcast, uh, pre-programmed into Riverside.fm. Um, and sometimes they work when we're recording and sometimes they don't. And when they don't, fiddle with them a lot until they do, because it makes the editing process so much easier to find where our transitions are, because you end up with these big blocks of complete silence, which can be very difficult when we have like four guests of trying to find out where those blocks of silence are. But, you know, just kind of a fun behind the scenes thing. Austin, nobody cares about that. What are we talking about today? Ghost traps. Oh, I'm in a. I'm always in a ghost trap mood. Me too. I love ghost traps. I love ghost traps. I mean, they, to be honest with you, it's. I know this is probably seems like a very obvious thing, but it's probably my favorite prop behind the proton pack. Um, I. It, yeah, yeah. There's something about it. I the love design of it that I just love. Uh, the. The design is great. Everything about it is great. So my weird thing with the ghost trap is by itself, I don't find it terribly interesting. For some reason, my obsession with ghost traps lies specifically within the realm of having tons of ghost traps. <laughs> okay, I can see that, yeah. I know it's weird, but I think they are more interesting in bulk than they are individually which which is probably very strange but like even even when i'm thinking like how would i display a proton pack like at a convention or something like that i'm always like we need more ghost traps like tons of ghost traps and i ended up like i have the the replicas that i'm working on but then i ended up with a lot of like the target or the the spirit halloween ghost traps because i was just like no we're, we're doing we're doing quantity over quality because the general so public it, doesn't care. So you're going to eventually have your own trap field. I used to tell our friend Tim that I wanted to have, you know how some people put uh, trains under their Christmas tree? <laughs> yeah. I want ghost traps under my Christmas tree on a little rail going in circles, <laughs> catching little ghosts. <laughs> ghost trap train. You need, you need to program them to music and so that the doors will open and close and the lights will go on and off like in sequence in 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 unison with some kind of whatever song is playing i don't even know what song i would play to it you know the obvious choice would be ghostbusters but ghostbusters is one of those songs that uh i only get really hyped for it if i'm listening it to like by myself if anybody else is there i'm suddenly very annoyed and very aware that the Ghostbusters theme song is playing. I'm not. I love it. It's my favorite I mean, song. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't know. I'm weird. It, it is my. It is one of my favorite songs. I just. I. I think it's like uh, if I, I'm at an event and like somebody starts playing it and they're like, ah, it's your song. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I'm weird. It's that social anxiety. It's got to be. We're talking about ghost traps today, man. And nothing we've said so far has anything to do 
really with ghost traps. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's our podcast. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll preface this conversation with a couple things. Um, first, we're going to be uh, stealing information that that has been put out there. Um, I believe John Anderson and Doug Solo have been working on the Ghost Trap Bible. Yeah. And that is looking to be an absolutely incredible, incredible piece of information. And furthermore, um, we are going to hopefully try and get either Doug or John on here to, to roundtable us and school us on Ghostbuster Traps for whatever information we get wrong in this episode. And to talk to us about the creation of that Bible and to talk to us about a lot of their research uh, that they put into it. So I, I'm we're going to try and... St- Dray away from some of the insight that that they have because it is, I think, by far the most interesting developments in in that prop. Um, but they deserve the the full credit for those developments. I'll also, of course, throw out there that we'll be referencing the albums Ghostbusters One, Ghost Trap, and Ghostbusters Two Ghost Trap over at the Ghostbusters Reference Library on Facebook.com. Um, so ghost traps like kick us off austin they're just cool dude like they are uh i know you just said that by themselves you don't really find them that interesting you know they need to be in a group but i i look at a trap just sitting there by itself and i just i I just i think it's a beautiful piece of art it is Um, it is and you know certainly it was my favorite ghostbusters toy as a kid i mean i was rolling that thing around and stomping on that pedal left and right all day long and i think for me just the fact that that toy operated exactly like it is supposed to like in the movie or in the cartoon you step on the pedal the door's open you know um that may be where my need for accuracy comes in into play (laughs) because even as a kid I love to tell the story like when I, you know, when Toy Story came out and, you know, they had the Toy Story toys. You could buy a Buzz Lightyear and a, and a Woody, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember getting them and immediately being severely disappointed when I flipped them upside down and they didn't have Andy written on the feet. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> how dare? Like, it's in the movie. Why is it not on the toy? And I remember going and getting a Sharpie and writing it on the bottom of Buzz's foot and getting a crayon and writing it on the bottom of Woody's foot. And I've been that way since I can remember. Like, I've been trying to make things more accurate even as a kid. Yeah. And so when I had this toy that functioned exactly like the prop in the movie, it was very satisfying. So did you You ever repaint your Kenner toy as a kid? No. Uh, You know, it wasn't anything... I wasn't that obsessive yet. Yeah, that that would come many years later. But so here's an even more important question: Is there a signature prop in Ghostbusters that is not overly complicated? No, no. I'm gonna say no because even something as simple as the key fobs on the belt are not that simple. No, you know? they're not. And and it, but the ghost trap is 
the ghost trap i think is absolutely up there with the pke meter and the the proton pack and its complexity um while masquerading around is something that's simple yeah because when you really start getting into the ghost trap and start looking at the design work um on the hero one it's all machined aluminum Mm -hmm. folded aluminum you know machined panels things like that and it's not glued together it's all bolted together because you can see all of the machine screws on this thing yeah you can see the machine screws underneath the 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 brushed aluminum side plates mm-hmm. and and then it's also the only prop that also has the whamco bar graph in it yeah on on the the ears portion of it um and then the whole thing was controlled by a futaba remote much like the rtv trap yeah and you know I remember before I knew that it was radio controlled like that, I just, I guess I just always assumed it actually functioned by pushing down on the pedal and that opened the doors. Like, I always never... thought it was stop motion. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. When you go back and you watch Ghostbusters 1, um, I always thought that the, the doors opening were stop motion. I mean, I, I immediately know exactly what you're talking about like yeah I, I i'm picturing it in my head and i can see yeah how you could how, how that comes off as stop motion um so i was super surprised to find out later in life that it's actually servo controlled but it's not even just the doors that are servo controlled it's the lights too mm-hmm. um which i thought was very interesting i would have thought that that would have been something that was was automatic but when we got pictures of the hero ghost trap from ghostbusters it it has the light controls on it so they were able to toggle up and and illuminate the whamco uh bar graph and for a long time i know that the ghost trap prop had given uh credence to the rumor that the grill light was connected to the bar graph the grill light oh oh in the wand on the on the wand yeah, yeah so yeah, that yeah. when the whamco illuminated all the way up then the grill light would turn on um when you really really get down to it and start looking at screenshot frame per frame the grill light is is separate from everything yeah. else but but it was a good guess just based on how the trap was operating because the whamco would fill and then that little white indicator light on the indicator box would would turn yeah. on um that's interesting. So, I I don't remember ever seeing that mentioned anywhere. But I mean, yeah, I can totally see how you could think that that's the way the 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 Whamco operated in the wand as well. So and okay, so we have a remote control operated ghost trap that the remote is operating the doors via servo, and it's also operating the light features. But let's throw another level of complexity onto it. You know, we're talking about. First and foremost, the hero trap is that the cartridge disconnects from the body of it. And we know for a fact that the cartridge or the, the carriage has, you know, it has that indicator light on it and the, the toggle switch that turns it on. Mm-hmm. 
so we know that the electronics between the actual cartridge and the carriage communicated. Yeah. In in that movie, you know, as as it is as a prop, and I just think that's fascinating. Yeah, because I it's, th- it's like a like a like a monitor plug, almost, or like a printer yeah. plug for an old computer. Um, I know somebody can correct me on the actual style of of plug that was used um, that that connects the cartridge, but it's all done from uh, two nubs that are spring actuated, and and the cartridge is held in via tension from a small hook that is triggered on the handle. So you would you would push that trigger on the handle, the little thumb trigger. That would raise the hook, and then those two little nubs in the cartridge had enough pressure to disconnect that port and push the cartridge enough forward that then gravity would take it and would then slide out on its own track system to be deposited into the containment unit. And like all of that, that that was for what? Maybe five seconds of film? Yeah. Now you're referring to the one that's it's I'm assuming you're looking at the album on the reference gallery. Right. Um that's the one that is specifically used in the containment unit scene. I believe so. Now, but that's not the same one that's used in the ballroom, right? Because that one was converted to a GB2 track. That's the well, one I that think was, it was oxi- I think it was the same construction though. Is it though? Well, I guess without removing the cartridge, we can't 100% know. Yeah, because I didn't think the other one has a removable cartridge. I thought it was just, like, it, it looks like it does. Like, it, I'm sure it's constructed the same way, but I, I assumed that the cartridge was, I guess, semi-permanently mounted on the one that uh, was auctioned off with the, the remote. But I, could, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. You know, again, well, I, without. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> That's that. Well, okay, so there, here we are. We know nothing. We're just we know nothing. Actually, but there is therein lies the biggest problem with ghost traps is we don't know how many were made, mm-hmm. and we don't know how many were converted for Ghostbusters, and it is very difficult to find the trademarks on the traps because they kept changing. And even in Ghostbusters, things that we we thought were trademarks of Ghostbusters to stunt traps are present on Ghostbusters 1 stunt traps. Yeah. Like the, the weird little half moon. Yeah. The, the half thing. moon and that little side rod on, on the cartridge. Which is such an odd detail. Like, why? what are they supposed to be representing? I, or, or are I, they just there to add detail, you know? I don't know. Um, but I know that, uh, you know, the, the, the trap that Ray carries out from the brownstone, the yellow rod trap, as yeah. you and I are a big fan of that particular uh, trap, um, has that half moon. It's the, it's the stunt trap. And, and even then, it in itself is is different from other traps just because it has a uh, an uncapped handle. Yeah, it, 
it's almost like it's a work in progress. Right. You know, and the the yellow rods, like, I, you know, I remember that's been such a thing for so long. Everybody's like, kind of like the blue EDA label, right? Right. But this, you know, even is what, like a year or two ago, I had brought up brought it up on the workbench just like hey did we ever definitively decide if this is are these truly yellow in the film or is it some weird color correction thing or trick of the light or whatever but i mean they're they're definitively they are yellow they are definitively yellow and it, are... it's weird to me why we have no other reference for it whatsoever well it got repainted but you know a behind the scenes picture you know, when it was constructed or just hanging out on set or something, I would love to just see some other well, piece of I'm, reference for that trap. So the the entire photo shoot um, in it's like a the, hallway, the hallway, yeah, shoot. the hallway publicity shoot. You know, we a lot of great references as far as like the the uniforms and that. But um, Dan Aykroyd is playing with a ghost trap the entire time, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure. That is the yellow rod trap. Yeah. But it's been repainted and it's had labels added to it. Um, the and, thing I've always that, been curious about is why did it get repainted? Is it, did it not stand out on film enough? Did they think I don't it was think too it, much, too much I yellow between that and the caution stripe? I just don't think the yellow stood out well against the, the plates. Yeah. I just don't think it bounced enough. Which is odd when you consider that they they're completely unpainted in Ghostbusters two. <laughs> yeah, they they really get lost in Ghostbusters two. Yeah. Um. It, yeah, and then it was a strange choice for Ghostbusters two to leave them completely painted. It's almost just like, oh, fuck it, don't worry about it. Yeah. We don't have time. Yeah. Um. And then of course they have uh those really really fun stunt traps for ghostbusters which the and this this is some of the information that that i'm I'm stealing from doug and john anderson please don't sue me i mean i know they wouldn't but uh (laughs) so originally designed the ghost trap pedal was designed to lock in to place on the top of the ghost trap yeah and you see that in the ghostbusters stunt ghost trap yeah, because it's just—I mean, it's literally glued onto that thing, right? Oh, I yeah, I—I uh, I would actually go as far as to say it's actually all part of the same mold. Okay. Um, looking at how the handle and everything is is connected to it, it looks like it's all just one big piece. It could be two pieces, but I don't. God, I'm not it's sure. Such an, it's such an ugly trap. Oh no, it's horribly ugly, and that's. That's the one that specifically uh, Dan Aykroyd sets down on the Gozer rooftop. Yeah. God, that handle is so... It's a thick handle. It's thick and... Thick and... Short. (laughs) (laughs) Ew. Just like I like them. (laughs) Oh, God, gross. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, but I mean, like, just the whole design, like, the interior cartridge, all of that, like, you don't, you don't even see the details of the cartridge in the movie, you know, when they remove it from the containment, or remove the cartridge into the containment unit. You see the back end of it, but you don't see all those great 
vent pieces that are on the side. You don't see I, how complex that rail track is on the bottom of the cartridge. It's yeah, I I love the vents. It that's just they're a, cool. It's such a cool detail, and it is sad that you don't really see them in the movie. It's just it's such a it is a beautiful prop. I still stand by what I said. I like to see large groups of them together. I don't know, like flocks yeah. flocks of ghost traps, a gaggle of traps, gaggle of traps, a murder yeah. of traps. Yeah, we'll come up with a clever name for it. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna say the uh, the stunt traps specifically. They're they're a lot smaller. They are, uh, namely in the battery compartment, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but like it, they they don't they don't stick out as far in the front. Like the the cartridge yeah. is flush with the the carriage portion. So the the stunt traps have smaller battery compartments and flush front ends. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is, which is really the easiest way to tell. And, you know, I, there's been a lot of builders that I've seen in which the front end is flush with the side panels and they're like, oh no, this is my hero has a removable cartridge. I'm like, yeah, but you know, is it, (laughs) it doesn't stick out. It's supposed to stick out a little bit. Um, well, and it all goes back to, to what you were saying earlier about like, it's, there's just so there's so many what well, we we say there's so many of them there there's all this reference and we don't really know what's what you know i mean we know what's right. a stunt and what's a hero but like there's so much that it's easy to get confused by everything very so then you have one of the uh biggest questions i think people always ask about ghostbusters traps which is how did they get them to smoke mhm um and i figured this out uh, a number of years ago, um, just just from from my stagehand experience, uh, which what they are using is a, a semi combustible chemical reactive tape on it, um, and it's, it's called an A part B part chemical reaction. And essentially, what you have is A part, um, which is applied to like a fabric or fabric tape, and you can see this all over the props. Like if you look at um, the the stunt props they still have the residue from where this stuff was on it yeah. um and you know you put the a part you treat that you know whatever it is your your cloth or tape or whatever with the a part and when you're ready for it to smoke you apply the the b part chemical and it produces an incredible amount of smoke um mm-hmm. that is also incredibly toxic uh, which is why a lot of people <laughs> were confused, you know, when they were talking about some some earlier behind the scenes stuff of the Sedgwick, where <laughs> they had these really caustic smoking traps. And I was like, well, what are they using? It's it's chemicals. They're using a chemical reaction to get that smoke. Nowadays, we have, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, forced pressure e-cigarette machines that are pumping out harmless vapor. But yeah. back then... If you wanted a lot of smoke in a lot of in a small space, you weren't using dry ice. People thought that at one point they're like, "Oh, dry it's dry ice in there." Like, no, it's it's this A part B part chemical reactive substance that produces a lot of smoke. You'll see it sometimes. Uh, they'll also use something similar to make um, things look like they're steaming, like yeah. uh, like pots on a stove without boiling the water, but they want the water to look like it's steaming. They'll use a little bit of that kind of uh, compound to make it steam up. 
Um, and that's that's what they use to make the trap smoke. So there it is for any of our listeners that didn't know that. It's a highly caustic chemical. You can get it. A lot of uh, online theatrical supply companies that sell um, pyrotechnics sell it. You cannot use it inside, though. Um, I have a you funny would end story up about it. Of of that chemical? Yeah. Or of just smoking traps? Of that chemical, specifically. Okay. Um, I remember when you first posted about it years ago. And we have this little costume like magic shop not far from where i live been there forever right mm-hmm. and after you had made a post about it this was like early 2000s for whatever reason i think you may have mentioned costume shops or magic shops or something may carry this stuff and so one weekend me and my dad go down to this place and sure as hell they've got two of those like you know those brown glass bottles Mm -hmm. and (laughs) they don't even have real labels on them they have masking tape on them and they've written (laughs) they've written part a and part b on them and (laughs) and this is this is one of those places that's like they've got shit in there that's been there for 30 years and has been in the same spot for 30 years, right? <laughs> and they they have this one set of the AB chemical smoke left, and we buy it. And they're like, yeah, this stuff's been here a long time. We don't really know, you know. I was like, no, we'll take it. And I remember going and buying some little fabric strips, like, uh, like cotton mm-hmm. uh, webbing. Cut the strips out, soaked it in like the A part, and I wanted to test it, so I take it outside to the back porch, and I get a little uh, eye droplet, eye dropper, and I, you know, I squeeze them up in it, and I start, <laughs> I start dropping it on, and it start it, it doesn't put out a lot of smoke mm-hmm. until it started burning. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting there and like, it's not really doing anything. It's not really smoking, but then it's this off white cotton uh, webbing and it, it, it starts to very quickly discolor. It starts getting browner and browner. And then it just, and I was like, Oh my God. And it smelled absolutely atrocious. (laughs) And even I don't remember how old I was, like thirteen or fourteen, something like that. And I was like, even back then, I was like, the I, I don't need to use this stuff. I, the, I mean, God knows how old this stuff was, and what was going on. I'm surprised it didn't literally catch on fire. I yeah, um, it was it was crazy, and uh, I just poured the stuff out and threw the bottles away. I didn't I'm glad pour you them out. I didn't pour them out in the same sink. Oh, thank uh, God. I poured I poured like one part out in the sink and I I dumped the rest outside. <laughs> and uh so instead the convention that we went to a few weekends later I just bought a smoke grenade like one of those long looks like a stick of dynamite. Yeah. And I lit it and put it in my trap outside. Oh my god. <laughs> and then we walked inside the building. That's almost even worse. Hey, they didn't kick <laughs> us out. People loved it. Oh my and, god! And it was it was fine. It was you know whatever. 
Oh man, uh, I I used to work at an airsoft field uh, many many years ago, and we used to sell smoke grenades like that, and we had to discontinue the sale of them because they changed the mixture in them at some point to the point where you would pull them and they would smoke, and then they would start flaming up like jet engines. Yeah, I've and, had a few uh, that did that. Yeah, so I'm glad you're trapped in you know light on fire. Oh, dude, if I, I don't, I don't remember if I can remove the lid anymore or not. I, when we made these traps, they're like MDF and I'm, we made the, the doors solid, uh, but they were magnetic. So you could pull them off so we could put, you know, smoke Smoke grenades or whatever in them. Yeah. It is so like burnt up and crispy on the inside of that thing. Oh, I'm sure. I'm absolutely sure. And plus MDF. Is it's like treated with formaldehyde and everything? So I'm sure that even that, you know, that's terrible. Like burning that off inside a building, like it's just <laughs> stupid. Thank God for the force pressure smoke machines now. Yeah. <laughs> um, or even even like small theatrical fog machines that you can buy now that are just like tiny. Yeah. That just put out water vapor instead yeah. of these harmful harmful chemicals and pyrotechnics. That they used to have to, but they used it all the way up to Ghostbusters 2 because you can see the Ghostbusters 2 stunt trap still has the residue from this shit all over it. Mm-hmm. And you can see it on the Ghostbusters 1 stunt traps. It has I mean, the, the residue strips. You can even, like when when uh, Ray hands Winston the traps, like you can see oh, the yeah. strips. Like just hanging out clear there, as day. Yeah. They're almost white on film. Well, I mean, they've tried to paint them black, but like, of course... You know, the, the edges where they fray, especially, it's still white, you know. Well, and then the, when the chemical reaction starts going, it doesn't give a fuck what you painted it. <laughs> it's going to be the, whatever color it wants to be. The, <laughs> the paint starts peeling off and catching on fire. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's, that's a long, complicated story about how I, I almost killed myself with <laughs> chemical I'm smoke. glad I provided that information to an irresponsible young Austin. <laughs> Hey, it was one irresponsible youth to another. You got to remember that's that. That's true. That's true. Man, I really should stop putting information out there and jacking up the price of Ghostbusters supplies. I'm teaching kids how to use pyrotechnics. Yeah, I'm man. a danger to society. Mm, only a little bit. Only a little bit. <laughs> um. So do we know of any major changes functionality-wise did they make a completely new hero trap for Ghostbusters 2, or did they refurb Ghostbusters 1 hero traps? See, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the one in the courtroom scene is the same one from the ballroom, just retrofitted Ghostbusters 2 style. Yeah. Um, And, you know, to be fair, we don't even know that they use that same Futaba remote. Right. Like, I, it's probably a safe assumption that that's the same one they used for the first movie, but, like, it could be a completely new transmitter specifically for ghostbusters 2 and how Uh, about uh how about them trap pedals oh my god the the gb1 trap pedal is still i think i think there's still some mysteries that we may never have the answers to that were mysteries we don't even know about i think is a better way to put it because there's so little reference of them compared to and what reference we do have some of the better shots are blurry yeah, like I mean, like we may never know what the exact uh, relay is on the pedal. 
Like, there's just mm-hmm. no clear enough reference to know. Like, again, we could probably make the assumption it's probably the same ones that we've seen on the GB2 ones, but I mean, there's so many of those relays in that style with all kinds of little slight variations. Well, I, I don't know. There's um, uh, one of the pieces of reference that, that is on the reference library has a pretty high def shot of the pedal. There's still a lot of details that are obscured in shadow, um, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's enough reference on the relay that you can see things like the silver label on top of the relay Yeah, and enough of it to to figure out if it's an ITT relay. I think the one thing that is bothering me is I've heard a lot of people talking about how the the ITT relay is just simply glued straight onto the, the Hammond project box. But then when I'm looking at that particular screenshot from the ballroom, it looks like the base is on there. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's such a weird... It may not even it may not be the base. It may be some you know, it's just some kind of a collar or something that's on there. But I mean, it's you know, you look at the pictures of the the project box where something has been glued down and, and it's popped off and the paint's removed. It's just round. It's not right. oval. And we have no there's no holes where there would have been the screws to hold it on. Well, I I mean the base could have well, and then you have the there's concentric holes around what you're talking about, in which it looks like that's where the pins would have gone in. Yeah, um, I mean, I I would almost say it's entirely possible that the base was there, broke off, and then they tried to put a relay back on without the base. It just seems weird to me that they would put the base on and not utilize the mounting holes. You're right. Nothing weird like that has ever happened in a Ghostbusters I mean, prop. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like that would solve the problem. Just put a couple of those screws in there. But, you know, yeah. to me, when I look at that screen grab, to me, it just looks like some kind of collar. Like a, like a maybe a little piece of aluminum or something just as a spacer between the box and, and the base of the relay. It could be. I don't know. It, it seems from that shot, and, and that's where you're right. I mean, it's so difficult because that is like one of the best pieces of reference we have in the movie as far as how the, the relay is, is mounted onto that Hammond box. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, I, I think it has a definitive enough oval shape that it could, in fact, be a relay base. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean... And, you know, again, nobody's ever really going to know for certain. So I think it's one of those situations where you're good either way, whether you want to use the, the the oval plug or yeah. if you want to just go with some kind of a, a piece of aluminum or just glue it straight to the box, you know. Or- nobody Nobody's really going to be able to tell you it's wrong because nobody knows for sure. Well, and then there's so many variants of the trap. I mean, like, uh, even down to some of them using nickel-plated Foster Quick Connects, and then other using, you know, the yeah. brass ones. Yeah, I saw that debate come up, or somebody had asked in one of the reference pictures, you know, is this brass or is this nickel? And to me, it looks like weathered, like nickel. But everybody else seemed to think, no, it's brass. It's, it's like, okay, you know, 
it really just comes down to interpretation, I guess. I I would tend to believe that the nickel plated ones were used in Ghostbusters and brass used in Ghostbusters too. I mean, yeah, I can see them totally swapping that stuff out between the two movies. I mean, just looking at the information that we have, though, because the yeah. Ghostbusters one trap pedal has the nickel plated, the trap has the nickel plated, and then the Ghostbusters two trap. Um, it it well, even the Ghostbusters true uh, hero trap has what looks like a nickel plated. Well, I'm looking at this one shot of the trap in '84 from uh, oh, whatever, whatever the the same place that the uh, Spangler Pack was on display at that all those pictures popped up from recently, and it's clearly to me looks like it's got a nickel uh, click connect on it in '84. So right, yeah, and that's the I believe that's the trap that had is this the I'm sure everybody's getting frustrated with us, like looking at reference pictures. Whatever, and it's, it's just our podcast. <laughs> it's our podcast, man. Anyway, um, I mean, they're supposed to be following along, or they know what we're talking about. So if they don't, whatever. Yeah, whatever. There it is. Yeah, is this this is the trap? Okay, this is the one from the containment unit scene. Okay, because it's missing the the rear the label on the top of the battery box is is missing, and it's just got the the primer or the bare aluminum exposed. Mm-hmm. which is what's on that uh, containment unit trap. And that is missing on the trap now, isn't it? I believe so. Yeah. No, it's there. It's nickel. Okay. Yeah, it's nickel. Yeah, absolutely nickel. Uh, it, just going through all the, 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 the traps here, it looks like Ghostbusters 2... Uh, Maybe uh, the stunt traps have brass mm-hmm. foster quick connects, but then the hero has nickel, and the Ghostbusters one hero also has nickel. And it also looks like the Ghostbusters two hero trap has that longer battery box. Again, yeah. indicative of the Ghostbusters one hero. But we know that there's... Uh, yeah, you know, and see, and there... Now it makes you wonder, okay, well, is that trap pedal also from Ghostbusters 1? <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Well, and like the weird thing on the pedal, um, what is the Ghostbusters 1 pedal? What we think is the Ghostbusters 1 pedal it has all that uh, gaffer tape on the top of it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's that for? Why is that there? Is that, you know, to make it easier to, to step on and so your, your boot doesn't slip on it or whatever. Just I wonder weakness. if it was a protective precaution for the, uh, for the top of the trap. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a, you know, yeah, when, when, when the pedal was hanging off the trap there at one point, um, you know, Dan Aykroyd didn't have, the big foam stunt trap hanging off his belt the entire time. At some points he had an actual hero trap mm-hmm. hanging off of his belt. And I wonder if that gaffer's tape on there was to, to prevent um, damage from, from the vector plate. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a good theory. I would buy that for sure. I also just noticed this is a detail that I only recently found out about 
uh, just a couple of years ago that there's a there's a resistor under the vector plate. Yeah, there absolutely is, and that's a detail that I didn't notice until probably only about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I guess whenever this uh, GB1 pedal went on display at isn't it some museum or something like in Seattle, something like, like that. I, I may be mixing it up, but yeah, um, I I don't recall if it's on the GB2 pedals, but I you know what a weird detail. Because what are the odds mm-hmm. that anybody was going to see that on film? You know, none. But the it, only reason still, for that the the only reason for that detail to be there is specifically to to have the hoses something to plug into, I guess. But I mean, you could have easily just drilled a couple of holes in the base. Oh which yeah, is, which is what I've always done. You know, just yeah, stuck them in there. But you know. I love that detail because it just adds an extra little layer of of story to the prop, you know. My favorite detail is from the stunt props and it's the fact that those side plates um don't have any bolts in them. The uh the brushed aluminum plates? Uh-huh. On the stunt props? Yeah. Oh, let me look. Have I never noticed that before? Um, the the smaller plates, you know the um, the vector plate that has the resistor on it and the knob plates, those have bolts in them, but the stunt traps uh, overall don't seem to have, at least in Ghostbusters one, because this is how it is on the yellow the yellow bar trap. They don't have any bolts in them. We'll say now I'm looking I, all the looking, two ones I'm looking at do. Yeah, some of the Ghostbusters 2 ones do, but again, on the reference library, if you scroll all the way down, there are pictures of a stunt trap on it looks like a beige carpet. Oh, oh, this is a foam trap from GB2. That's one of the foam rubber traps from Ghostbusters 2? Yeah, it's like the only foam one from Ghostbusters 2 that like I've ever seen. Interesting. Yeah, and the fact that it's got a... Uh, V hook on the bottom of it, which I can't tell in the picture if it's a real V hook or if it's if it's also foam. But I believe this trap you can see it on the Rolling Stone cover. Um, I think it's the one that he's that Dan Aykroyd's got on his belt on the Rolling Stone cover. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the only only example of a foam trap from GB two that I've ever seen. See the the other Ghostbusters stunt trap. The plate does have those bolts in it, but if you go through and look at the scene in which Dan Aykroyd comes up with that yellow trap, and and the uh, let me see if he has on here in the reference library the those hallway photos. Yeah, there's a whole album called I Ghostbusters think, Behind the Scenes. I think it's just the whole Ghostbusters hallway shoot. GB1 hallway photo shoot. I'm looking at GB1 it. hallway shoot. Found it. All right, cool. So, um, if you open it up, yeah, there's got a great. There's no photo. screws there, dude. That's so there's cr- no screws. On that's there. crazy. Are they just like epoxy to hun? Or they? No, have- I think I think it's just those other side plates. The vector plate and the side plate with the knobs is what's holding it on. That's nuts. That's awesome. I love that. And uh, if you go through, watch watch the scene, of course, again with the yellow, um, the yellow bar trap, and it it also doesn't have 
those bolts there. Hmm. Which is another reason why I think that's that's that trap. And then it makes me wonder now that we're speaking about it, if that is the base for the Ghostbusters 2 stunt trap. Probably At is. least uh, the foam rubber one. Because we know they used a lot of Ghostbusters 1 props for molding. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look now. The uh, oh, yeah. the other interesting detail that I'm, I'm seeing in these pictures that I always forget about is the unpainted uh, bar graph plate on the or front. Or the reversed bar graph plate. What do you mean reversed? Um, so the, the light on the bar graph is supposed to be... Um, you know, if you're rolling the trap out, rolling the trap away from you, that light should be on the right-hand side of the bar graph. Mm-hmm. Um, but that ghost trap, the bar graph light, is on the left-hand side. I can't even see the light in these pictures. You can see it when Ray comes out of, of the brownstone. Okay. You can see that the light is a lot more intense on on the opposite side. Gotcha. See, these doors also look solid. Like, I can't see a break. No, I think they are solid. No, maybe there is a little bit of a break there. This is, like, the weirdest episode, because it's just us staring at pictures and talking about what we're looking at. Well, I mean, if they're (laughs) listening to us while they're driving, they can pull over and look at photos with us. No, because, you see, I have photos, and and I apologize right now, Stuart, that I haven't uploaded them. They're on my laptop. So I am going to try and remember to do that uh, tonight after I'm done editing our episode is I have blurry photos of a Ghostbusters stunt trap at Sony um, from a long time ago. And I believe it's this trap. I believe it's not only this trap that Ray is holding, but is also the yellow bar trap in which you can see a lot more details. Unfortunately, uh, the photos were, were taken by a guy who doesn't know how cameras work. So they're all kind of blurry. (laughs) Um, but I'll I'll try and get those uploaded into the Ghostbusters one trap reference folder um, for for all of our listeners. And I, our listeners are used to us talking about photos. I mean they know, they know what we're talking about when we're talking about these these particular bits and pieces. But it makes the trap interesting, and it makes our listeners go back and look at these sources. And hopefully, then that means maybe they're going to see something that we're not seeing. Yeah. Um, and then. Then after that comes the part where you join us on Spangler's 1984 workbench for the discussion. Ah, I see. I'm looping it as a trap. It's like a gimmick. A trap? Ah, ghost trap. Because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Get it. Get it. Do you yeah. get it? I get it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. The, so uh, without a doubt, the yellow rod trap this or this stunt trap, whatever, the hallway trap, it's probably my favorite trap. Oh, it is one hundred percent my favorite trap. Um, it, it is. It is to me in the same vein as the superhero proton pack that mm-hmm. it has a bunch of weird shit about it. Yeah, and it it has a bunch of weird shit that got changed from it compared to everything else. Mm-hmm. It's the outlier of Ghostbusters props, um, just like the superhero was, and um, those are those are like my my must have props superhero proton pack like if if i had to get rid of everything else that i was ever building and i was only allowed to choose you know two or three ghostbuster props um two of them would absolutely be the superhero proton pack and the yellow rod stunt trap yeah 
Yeah, it's um, I don't know why it's just, it's sort of like I don't want to say it's not me being snobby necessarily, but like you know, so many people when they when they make a a GB two or a GB one pack, they do a Vankman because it's what we have the most reference for. Sure. Um, and that's fine, but I don't know. I I end up gravitating more towards those props that not a, not as much is known about, and that's what makes them interesting to me. Like, I am. I will admit that it is a little bit of my elitist douchebaggery coming <laughs> out. And uh, I know that gets tossed around a lot towards the the detail-centric uh, community. Um, but this is kind of my my tail wag, where people be like, well, that's not right. <laughs> well, actually, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. there's there's a little bit of that in there. And, and let's be honest, you know, there's a little bit of that in there when people were doing the blue labels on top of their proton packs. Yeah. Um, I think for where, me, it comes down to like, I guess it's the same the same reason why I like being like highly detailed and trying to be as accurate as possible. Is I like the, I like the challenge. Yeah. You know, I like the challenge of trying to interpret whatever details are seen and in, in the limited reference we have and trying to replicate, you know, mm-hmm. replicate it as best as I can. Um, Absolutely. It's just fun. I just, it is I fun. like that challenge. So I guess uh, our next episode then is going to be another round table. Yeah. With people that know more and, and can keep us on track. And... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And not just, Oh, Oh, look at this picture. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I, didn't, I, I I wanted to talk specifically about like the knobs on the front of the traps between Ghostbusters one and Ghostbusters two. You know, um, I I don't think we have any existing examples of the GB one knobs, right? No, we have best guesses. Yeah, we have um, best guesses on the front knobs because you know a couple of them are or one of them silver with like a black, mm-hmm. uh, like a black like a D- black inlay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and those are, again, those are those little mysteries that we're probably never going to know 100%. Unless somebody out there is sitting on some kind of, you know, holy grail reference material that they're not allowed to share or won't share or whatever. Sony salt mines. We got to get out there, dude. We do. We do. So we'll run run the next episode like we did the the Proton Pack roundtable. Yeah. We'll put it out there to the community to give us questions about ghost traps that they want answered. And that's going to help us keep on track. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, come on, man. Most most of this stuff is talking is is going over photos and be like, oh, did you notice that? So our our guys are used to it and they know what we're talking about. So don't worry about it. except for like two of our listeners. I have a shout out to my my buddy uh, Norm and Jeremy. Who, who have been listening to my podcast, neither one of them are Ghostbuster fans. Ah, that's um, amazing. And they are they are simply listening to support me. And uh, bless their heart every time yeah. they, they listen. They're just like, we love it. We don't know what you're talking about, but we love it. And they had a recommendation of like a, an idiot's guide to Ghostbuster props. And mm-hmm. uh, I feel like that should be an episode soon. Yeah, something you know, that's, uh, 
an introduction yeah to to this crazy world you probably don't want to be a part of yeah so maybe uh we'll you know uh this is of course session nine maybe uh session 11 could be something like that because i know we want to start breaking into talking about actual prop building yeah and techniques and and even just sort of ideas you know yeah um absolutely yeah i mean i got a whole i mean i'm looking at right here i got this whole list of things that like eventually i want to talk about this but i feel like we're not established enough to to start getting into that really weird stuff oh we'll get there yeah we'll get there um so what we'll go ahead and do then is we'll we'll put out the the ghostbusters bat signal for questions from the community um, we'll gather up some guests for this week to do a roundtable discussion on ghost traps. Uh, now, I'll go ahead and preface this, let everybody know that I will be on vacation this weekend, so there could be a small delay in next week's episode, just depending on people's recording schedules. I know Austin and I are available, but uh, for our guests, they might have more complex schedules, and we'll want to make sure that we respect that so we can bring you guys um, really, really solid content. Um, Outside of that, uh, I don't think I have anything else today. I, I mean, we're we're a little bit shorter than normal, but that's okay, because um, then we can we can definitely make up for time on the roundtable. Oh yeah, the roundtable last time was like I think that's our longest episode so far. Our our roundtable probably could have gone another half hour or hour with with Mikhail and Matt. That was we're we're definitely going to have them have them back on. They were wonderful guests. Yeah. Actually, all of our guests so far have been have been great so yeah that you know, norm we've had uh um jordan jordan yes thank you um no we've we've had nothing but stellar guests so I'm, I'm definitely excited to see who else we can get soon um well shit that's that's all i have for for today's episode austin you have any final thoughts before we let everybody go no all right i thought about it and i couldn't think of anything so no my final thought thing. is thank you for listening and bearing yes. and bearing with us through our uh, crazy uh, looking at photos, looking at photos and tangents and, you know, but that's well, what I like about, about it. It's very loose. Think about how much better it's going to be when we start doing video and we can share the photos. Yeah, I would, you know, yeah, we can talk about that offline. Yeah, I, I have yeah. ideas. Okay. All right. I know you have ideas, bud. Um, well, Awesome. So, guys, you can always like us. Uh, we do come out normally every Tuesday on our RSS feed, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and then every following Friday on YouTube. Go ahead and give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And, of course, you can always join the conversation on Spangler's 1984 Workbench. Uh, the reference photos that we <laughs> relied on heavily this episode, of course, are uh, courtesy and available at the Ghostbusters Reference Library on Facebook. So for the Black Firehouse podcast, this is Dan Harshman, as always with Austin Young, asking you to go out and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! Spray has gone bye-bye, you guys. What have you got left? 
for whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.